I'm glad that all of you are here this morning, and I really believe that there is something that God has for you. I was talking to a guy yesterday on the phone. He's new to our church. He's been here three or four times. And just so you know, in fact, he was shocked, I might say, when I called him. He said, well, I didn't really expect a phone call. And I said to him, I said, well, if people on a guest card will go to the trouble to put their phone number, then the least thing that I can do is to call them. And so I'm just calling you. I don't want to take a lot of your time. And uh, I just wanted to call you and, and let you know that I'm so glad you came to our church. And I want to just find out, is there anything we can do for you, pray with you about, uh, any questions you have about? And so I had a really, really delightful uh, conversation. And I could tell he was surprised that I had called him. And then he said, this is what he said. He's walking through a tough time, as a lot of people are. And, and he said, he said, Pastor Jeff, this is what I want to let you know. He said, the message last uh, weekend was for me. It was just for me. This is a new guy in our church. And so I just told him exactly, you know, what I, what I thought. I said, you know, you're struggling right now, and I want you to just think about what you said. I want you to think about this reality. This is how much God loves you. I said, I am so unbelievably average and normal, and I'm not nearly smart enough to figure out what you need or what anybody else needs. All I do is listen to God the best that I possibly can so that I can demonstrate God's love to you by taking what God wants to say. And he said, well, what God led you to say was exactly where I'm at. We said a, a couple of other things in our conversation. And the reason I wanted to mention that is, is simply this. I, I know my responsibility. My responsibility is to the best of my ability with all of my frailties and limitations is to listen to God the best that I can and get a message from him for you. And, and I hope, I believe, not because I'm that great, but because God is perfect, that God has something for you in this service today that's going to be helpful to you. And uh, I pray that that's going to be true. Now, here's one of the things I want you to know about our church if you're new. Uh, a lot of churches you go in, and I don't mean this with any ill will. I don't mean it uh, being negative. I'm not a negative person. I'm not trying to be uh, anything but to just say, in a lot of churches you go to, this is the premise of the message that you're going to get. You know, it may not be stated this way, but it's basically this message. Once you come to Jesus... Once you become a Christian, all of your problems are pretty much going to be over. And, and, you know, that's stated again. Now, how many of you, uh, that, you, you wish that were true? You wish that that were true, but that is not true. And I would rather tell you the truth and so that when problems come your way, that you're prepared for them rather than to be shocked or surprised or, or self-condescending saying, hey, obviously I must be doing something wrong or uh, I wouldn't be going through this challenge. So let me go ahead and declare it right up front and just say, all right, and you're going to wonder after I make this statement why you came this morning, but I'm going to go ahead and say it, all right? You're going to have problems. You're going to have problems. I hate to tell you that, but you are. I, I will, I, listen, I want to I, I be able to say, hey, once you come to Jesus, all of your problems are over. Once you come to Jesus, you're never going to have any more challenges. But I would rather tell you the truth and help to prepare you for your problems than to tell you they're not going to exist, and then you wonder what's going on in your life when they happen. How, how many of you can at least mildly appreciate that? So that's what I want to do today. I want to help you because, as I shared with you last week, all of us 
all of us are constantly in, in a battle. You're in a battle, I'm in a battle, and the battle really is a three-pronged uh, reality if you think about it in this way. We're in a battle with the world. I share that with you, that our battle with the world is in, is in this regard. It's in our current culture. Let me just tell you, there's no doubt about it. Our culture wants to beat us up and take us down, wants to just tear us down. And we're always in a battle with a culture that is all around us. That's just reality. You're in a battle with a culture. I'm in a battle with a culture. But that's just one a facet of the battle that you and I are engaged in. There's two other aspects of this battle. You and I are also in, the, in a battle with the devil. The devil is a real person. You may choose not to believe that. I hope that you will not disregard that. All you've got to do is just look at the preeminence of evil throughout this world. There's evil everywhere. How many of you realize that? There's evil. If you don't believe me, go home and turn on the TV. Just watch the news uh, today, and you'll know there's evil in this world, all right? So you realize that. So you and I, there's a real devil. There's a real evil in the world, and you and I are in battle with the world or the culture. Tear us down, beat us up with the devil who does not like us. How many of you know that whenever you leave the family of the devil, if I could state it that way, and you become a part of the family of God, you become an enemy of the devil? He doesn't like it. Do you think the devil likes it that you've given your life to God? Absolutely not. The devil hates God, and because you belong to God, he hates you too. And he's going to do everything that he can to oppose your life and to depress you and to discourage you and frustrate you and just cause you to quit. And, but we're talking about in this series, we're not going to lose heart. We don't have to lose heart. We're going to face challenges. So, all right, so we're all clear before we get into today's subject. Uh, we're going to face a battle with the world. The Bible says that, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The third battle is in the battle that you and I have going on within us. You and I are, are generally speaking, our own worst enemy. I typically am not having to do big-time battles with the devil. You know why? I generally don't have time because I'm doing battle with myself. How many of you feel that same way? You ever have those moments when you say, I know that I ought to do this, but I think I want to do that? Does that ever happen? To, you'd make me feel good if you'd raise your hand so that I'm like not in, you know, by myself in that regard. I know what I need to do. Paul talked about that in Romans. He said, this is the thing I know I ought to do, but I don't always do what I ought to do. And the things I know I should not do, often I find myself doing those things. And he talked about this conflict of two natures. And you and I are going to do battle with our old nature, our carnal nature. So we're going to have problems. And the reason we're going to have problems is because we're in a battle all the time with the world, the flesh, and, and the devil. But that doesn't mean that you and I have to become hopeless. Now, um, stating this, you know, problems that you and I are going to have to contend with, it, it only makes sense because I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but this planet is not perfect, all right? This planet is not perfect. It's broken. Everything is broken. Now, um, how many of you uh, plan on, uh, I, I don't want to say looking at because you don't need to look at it, but how many of you know that there's uh, an eclipse that's going to be happening tomorrow? How many of you realize that? Let me be, you know, add, add to this as everybody else has said, don't look at it. Don't look at it. Don't do that. I want you, when you come back to church next Sunday, to be able to see. So, so don't look at it. But, but this world is broken in so many different ways. Nothing is perfect in this world. And you and I are not perfect. In fact, the only perfect realities in this world are God, which also includes, we know, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the triune, the Godhead. And also, the only other thing that is perfect in this world is God's Word or the Bible. 
And a totally true Bible tells us this. I want you to look at it on the screen. The guys are going to put it up there for you. This is Ecclesiastes 7.20. In fact, I want you to read it with me. Everybody, let's read this together. Are you ready? Not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. Let's read it one more time. You did really good. Let's read it again. Not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. Now, take just a moment, and you may want to turn to somebody near you and say, I, I think the Bible's talking about you. You may just, I, I, think, I think maybe you were in mind when God said that. By the way, based on, and I feel strongly about this, every time I see this verse, not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. By the way, this is a primary reason why you and I should never allow ourselves to become judgmental people. Because at the moment that you and I start judging others, first of all, we're going to ratchet up God's judgment of us. And who are we to judge somebody else when we mess up, when we're not always good, when we sin? So uh, listen to this next verse. Uh, It's not on the screen, but I want you to just listen to it. Some of you are going to be able to quickly identify with this. This is James chapter 3 and verse 2, and listen to this verse. This is what it says, and none of us is perfectly qualified. Listen to the next part. We get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouth. Anybody can? <laughs> we, it, nearly every time we open our mouth, we get it wrong. And, and then the writer says, if you could find, this is James, if you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you have a perfect person in perfect control of life. So, um, but that's not reality. We've got problems because we live in a messed up world and we're always doing battle. A- any of you... Any of you, you're like, hey, I know full well what it's like to have problems. Any of you, you just be honest and say, I, I, I know what problems are like, all right? You're either, this is how I feel about problems. You're either coming out of one or you're right in the middle of one or, or, or there's one just ahead of you somewhere. But again, the Bible doesn't tell us that we need to give up or retreat or be discouraged or lose heart. And that's what we're talking about in this series. Now, how many of you, and uh, I think I'll probably see one gender's uh, hands raised more than another gender. How many of you like to shop? You really like to shop. Could I just see your hand? You really do? Uh, I, it seems that the ladies won out in that regard, all right? So you like to shop. Now, how many of you, uh, you've ever found and then you bought an item on sale, and the reason why you got it at such a steeply discounted price was because something about it was flawed or blemish? So you got to sell, and you were just willing to put up with the flaw or the blemish to save some money. By the way, on sale, isn't that a unique term? You know, just think about it. How many of you have ever heard, don't raise your hand, I don't want to get anybody in trouble, I'm not trying to start anything here this morning, but how many of you have ever heard something like this? I saved us $150 today. I saved us. I went, I saved us $150. No, you didn't. You spent $432 and some change. You didn't save anything you spent. But it helps everybody feel better if you can save, right, Greg? If you can say, I saved some money today. I saved some money today. Well, we're able to buy things at a discounted price if we're willing to put up with the flaws and the blemishes. But can I let you in on a little secret? As it relates to blemishes and flaws, that's you. And that's me. 
You okay? Everybody all right? You still with me? Wave at me. I can see your hand here. You okay? If not, there's some more coffee out in a, you know, cafe area. That'll perk you right back up. But nobody wants to admit it or nobody wants to talk about it, but it's indisputable. We are all defective. We really are. We all have parts of our attitude. We have parts of our personality, our thinking that is impaired and in need of attention. In fact, this is what the Bible says. I want you to read it with me. You're going to see it on the screen. This is Romans 3.23. Let's all read it together. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. We all fall short. Listen, you and I, you and I cannot even live up. To, think about this. We can't even live up to our own standard a lot of the time, much less God's. Isn't that true? Because none of us are perfect. None of us can measure up to a standard of perfection. I like baseball. I do. I don't follow it quite as much as I used to, but I like baseball. One of my favorite hitters of all time, some of you will remember this name, was Tony Gwynn. Was Tony Gwynn not an incredible hitter? This guy was historic Hall of Fame, batting average around 400, which was just insanely high. Now, why do I mention that? The best hitters in all of baseball have never batted a 1,000. They just haven't. So for you and I to pretend that we're faultless, to pretend that we're spiritually superior to other people is a huge miscalculation. Actually, it's, it's broader than that. It's actually an expression of self-deception. How do we know this? It's based on what? 1 John 1.8. And I'm just going to read this one to you. 1 John 1.8 says this. If we claim we have no sin, all right? If you do that, if I do that, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and we're not living in the truth. Think about that. If we claim we don't have sin, guess what we're doing? We're just fooling ourselves. We're not living in the truth. The truth is we've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. We saw that in Romans 3.23, so we need to confess it. I can remember a time. I won't tell you the time or, or, or place, the place or when, but um, I went to Southeastern University. We have a lot of Southeasterns. That's part of our church, faculty, administration, professors, students. And uh, when I finished uh, Southeastern University, I went uh, to another state, and I was a youth pastor in that church. And uh, there was a guy in the church that um, this guy felt like, for some reason, his spiritual gift was pointing out everybody else's little sins. How many of you know, I never wanted a friendship with this guy. We never went to lunch. We never went to dinner. Because I, I just, you know, that doesn't even make sense to me. That is, that, is, that is in total contrast. That's not even congruent with the Bible. But this guy, he was always, I mean, we heard it as a staff. He was always speaking up about somebody in the church and their little old sin that they had going on. And I'm not underestimating sin. The reason I say their little old sin was when his big sin finally came out, all the other little sins that he was always pointing out of other people was minuscule by comparison. And so if we claim that we don't have any sin, uh, John said, uh, we're only fooling ourselves. So I don't, you know why I don't need to go around pointing your sin, which, by the way, I don't want to do anyhow, because I don't have time to because I'm trying to keep myself in check. Is that not true of you? Can I just tell you this, just in case you lean toward that, just in case I shared the example of that guy and your thought was, what's wrong with that? Just, just to help you with that, 
the reality is God never appoints us to point out the weaknesses and struggles of other people. We ought to be able to help people with that. But my, my goal should not be to make myself look better by trying to make you look bad. Is that not true? Because, again, we're all in a struggle with the world, the devil, and our own flesh. Now, I've said a lot on the intro side of this talk, and I'm going to give you some things to really think about in the next few moments. But having said, all that I've just said does not mean that we should be discouraged. It does not mean that we should be hopeless. It does not mean that we should surrender and utter defeat. It does not mean that we should lose heart. Nobody, and and again, we're being clear about it. I'm being candidly clear. Nobody, this side of heaven, is ever going to be perfect. It's just not going to happen. But how many of you do know this? And I want you to hear this even more clearly than what you've heard me say in the previous moments. But the reality is all of us can get better. Do you believe that? All of us can get better. All of us can make progress. All of us can set in motion some positive changes in our lives with God's help. In fact, that's what I want to talk to you about in the remainder of our time for just the next few moments. I want to talk to you about change, how we can change. In fact, I'm going to give you three. I may have time to just add a fourth one real quickly at the end, but I want to just walk you through. We can change when, and I'm going to fill in the blank. We can change when. The worship team uh, did a great song a few moments ago. It talks about glory to glory. This comes from the Apostle Paul. In one of his letters to the Corinthian believers, this is what he said. He said, we can be changed from glory to glory. This is the process of consistent change. And here's our primary text today. I'm going to go ahead and read it, and then we're going to talk about it for just a few moments this morning. Here we go. Let's, Let's look at Ephesians 4. And we're going to talk about change. How do you and I change? How can we get better? Here we go. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your what? Your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Look at this next portion now. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. In other words, let's help each other. We all belong to the body, the body of Christ. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives uh, gives a foothold to the devil. So here's what I want to do. I want you to be sure you jot these down, and I'm going to move through them rather quickly, not because they're unimportant, but because I want to squeeze in as much time as I possibly can. All right? All of us need to change. We know we're not perfect. We know we don't meet God's standard. But the reality is we can get better. Now, first of all, I I want to give you this. We can change, first one, when we accept the truth. We can change when we learn how to accept the truth. Do you realize that God's truth is an essential tool for helping us to grow spiritually? God's truth is actually a path. It is a guide to show us the way that we should take. Back to our primary text for just a moment. In Ephesians chapter 4, listen closely again. You saw it just a moment ago, but listen to verse 21. You have heard about Jesus, and you have learned the truth that comes from him. You've heard about Jesus. You've learned the truth that has come from him. Now, when I read that verse and I think about it, it is still difficult for me to process in my own mind that people will automatically reject Jesus even though they've never heard who Jesus actually is. They just hear Jesus, and they don't really know anything about Jesus, but they immediately put up walls of rejection. 
That's illogical to me. Or, or they dismiss truth without even seriously reading it. Uh, you know, somebody says, well, I don't agree with the Bible. Really? What part do you not agree with? I don't, I don't know. I've never read it. I just don't agree with it. There's no logic in that. So you have heard the truth. You've heard about Jesus and learned the truth that comes from him. Now, as I mentioned to you, because life can be so challenging, none of us and none of us ever want to lose heart. It is vital that we get, please hear this now, it is vital that we get God's truth deeply planted into our mind and heart. That is so critically important. So with that stated, I've got to ask you this question, all right? You ready for it? Here it is. How often are you reading your Bible? If you don't want to get discouraged and and lose heart, if you want to change with God working in your life, how do you do that? You allow God's Word to get deeply into your mind and into your heart. I mentioned to you not long ago, I don't don't like to read. Well, fine. Then, Then listen to the Bible. You can listen to the Bible on CD or what, uh, all kinds of different opportunities. You could listen to the Bible if you don't like to read. Whether you read it or you listen to it, we need to get it deeply planted into our life. Do you agree with this? It's so important. For you or I to say, well, you know what? I do get into the Bible. I get into the Bible every Sunday morning in church. Well, that's just not enough. Because if you're not putting a lot of the Word into you, how in the world are you going to follow the path that God has for you? Who are you going to listen to? Whose ideas? Whose opinions? Whose direction are you going to submit to? Is it going to be friends? Is it going to be your coworkers? Are they going to tell you how to live your life, your family, and know-it-all? Who best knows how you and I need to live our lives? God does, and God tells us how to live our lives where? In the Bible. God's truth. And uh, I, I know that we have a lot of different people here, a lot of different backgrounds, and I love that. But um, some of you, quite honestly, you could be seated here this morning, and you may be thinking, well, I would really, you know, Jeff, I hear everything that you're saying, and I would really like to get into God's Word, but uh, I've got a problem. The problem is I know if I get into God's Word, it's going to frustrate me. I know that if I get into God's Word, it's going to cramp my style. I know that if, it, if I get into God's Word the way I need to get into God's Word, it's going to cut out all the fun in my life. Well, friends, that's just not true. It's just not true. I want you to read this verse with me. This is John eight thirty two. Let's all read it together. Here we go. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you don't know the truth, the truth keep, you know, the lack of truth will keep you in bondage. You will know the truth. And what does the truth do? The truth will set us free. The truth will liberate us. Now, I want you to check out these next two verses. This is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. I want you to look at these verses right up here on the screen. Here we go. All Scripture, that's talking about the Bible, it's talking about God's Word, truth. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses His Scripture to prepare and equip His people for every good work. Now, I'm not going to camp out here because I don't have time. Maybe we'll come back and we could just look at those two verses for an entire talk. But it's very clear, and you may want to go back and look at this, because in these two verses, it lets us know Four things the Bible will do. The Bible, number one, and this is still under, we can change if we accept the truth, but this is what you need to realize out of these two verses. The Bible teaches us 
what is true. That's what it said. Paul said the Bible will teach you what is true. Secondly, the Bible will show us where we're wrong. Thirdly, the Bible will correct us when we make mistakes. And fourthly, the Bible will, will instruct us to do the right thing. So that's, that's how you and I change. First of all, we change when we accept the truth. Secondly, I told you I was going to move quickly. Even though I am from Georgia, I can talk quickly when I need to. All right, if we're just sitting around casually talking, I may slow it down. But uh, I want to squeeze this in. I want to get all of this in. All right, so secondly, again, we're talking about change. And again, this is from Ephesians 4. We can change when we, and this is so important for a lot of you seated right here, all right? This is God's word for many of you that are here. We can change when we leave our past behind. When we leave our past behind. Listen, you can't do anything about your past. I can't do anything about our past. But it sure does keep a lot of people shackled up. You can't do anything about it. If you could redo it, you'd probably redo it, but you can't. But you can't stay chained to your past. Look at this verse. Again, this is Ephesians 4, our primary text. Ephesians 4.22 now says this. Throw off your old sinful nature, and what does it say? And your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. That's not your life anymore. How many of you are glad that you are not today what you used to be? Now, you don't have to stand up here and give us personal examples. But you're probably glad that you're different. You're probably glad there's been changes in your life. Now, some of you, though, you're having problems moving forward because you've, fully, you've never fully released your past. And, and you're still clinging to past hurts that you have, past mistakes, past regrets, past habits. I was reading a book some time ago, and it's uh, by a guy by the name of John Gordon. Some of you know that, that name. And this is what he says. He says, if you want to change your situation, a lot of you probably do, you must first change your thoughts. Because if you keep on thinking what you've been thinking, you'll keep on getting what you've been getting. So to keep thinking in a way that I stay tethered to my past is not going to be productive. Many of you are still living under a cloud of shame over things, by the way, that God has forgiven you a, a long time ago. How many of you know that you don't have to ask God to forgive you of the same sin a hundred times? How many of you know that is almost like an insult to God? And we're all tempted to do that. We sin and we say, God, please, please, please forgive me. And God said, and we're sincere in our repentance. And God says, I, for, I forgive you. Ten minutes later, guess what we're doing? Because we're still feeling guilty about it. What are we doing? God, please, 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 please forgive me. And, and God already knows, but, you know, God maybe operates in this arena. What are you talking about? I, I'm talking about what I, I confessed to you ten minutes ago. And God's saying, I not only forgave you of that, I've already forgotten about that. Why do you keep hanging on to that? How many of you know that's true? So it's not like, you know, the 18th time is the magic bullet for forgiveness. I'm going to ask God to forgive me. 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 I'm going to ask him. And then finally, if I ask enough times, eventually it's going to force God to forgive me. No, anytime you and I are sincere in confession and repentance, how many of you know, and this is good news, God will forgive us the first time. But you know what the challenge is? The challenge we find is not God's forgiveness. The challenge is us forgiving ourselves but we've got to do it. We've got to move on. 
And many of you are still living, though, under that cloud of shame over these things God has forgiven you of. Maybe over time, you begin to lose heart and you start thinking, anytime, God, anytime, God, I'm so weary of being hindered by my past. And you know what God says to you in a moment like that? He says this. He says, you're not waiting on me. I'm waiting on you. Get moving. I already forgave you. I've already cleansed you. You're you're not waiting on me. I'm waiting on you to move. Now, I want to take you, and I'm moving so quick. You never knew a Georgia boy could talk quite this fast. All right? But I want to take you for just a few brief moments to two remarkable verses in Philippians. You've got to see this. Some of you... And this is one of those we'll need to come back to when I've got more time. But some of you have never seen what you're about to see. Paul said to a group of believers living in Philippi, he says, continue to work what? Work out. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in. God works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Now, I want you to see this because this, this, friends, and some of you have never seen this before. If you want to change, this is how it works. It is a collaborative effort between God and us. God says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to work out what I've already worked in your life. I want you to work out what I've, I've already worked in you. Now, you need to work out. Now, you know this. If you happen to be a person that you work out, you work out a group of muscles, what are you doing? Are you creating the muscles? No. You're only developing the muscles. The muscles were already there. You're developing what God has already gifted to you. If you say, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to work out my muscles. Are you going to go and create biceps or triceps or shoulders or whatever muscle group? You're, are, are, you, are you going to create those? No, you're not creating the muscles. You're only developing what God has already gifted to you. Listen, I want you to notice what these two verses do not say. They do not say, work for your salvation. How many of you are with me on that? Because you can't work for your salvation. You and I cannot ever earn our way to heaven. We can't pay for our salvation with enough good works or behavior. Salvation, we saw it, is totally a gift from God. It is totally a gift from God. So I'm not working for salvation. I simply need to work out what God has already worked into my life. How many of you that made sense to you? I need to work. God's already given me salvation. I can't work for it. I can't earn it, but I need to work it out, which leads me to the third thing that I want to mention. All right, here it is. We can change, first of all, I've already shared with you, we can change when we learn to accept the truth. Secondly, we can change when we leave our past behind. Now, be sure you get this one. We can change when we allow the Holy Spirit to work within us. We can change. But we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to do His work. When it says that, that we need to work out what God has already worked in, that does not mean that God is not continually working in our life because He most certainly is. You see, here's some good news you need to hear, all right? You ready for it? How many of you have heard enough bad news this week? Some good news would be welcomed. So I'm going to give you some good news. Here it is. God didn't create you and then just let you go. You're not like a car that's been assembled on the assembly line, and once it leaves the manufacturing plant, you're on your own. God is involved in your life. And God didn't save you and then just say, all right, buddy, it's up to you. Sink or swim, your call. God doesn't do that. 
He is constantly working in your life and mine. This is what you know, need to know about God's schedule. God does not have weekends and holidays off. He doesn't. He's continually at work. God is always watching over you. I will never forget this as long as I live. When, when I was a, a little boy and uh, growing, growing up, I can remember this house, and they would eventually tear it down after they built a brick home right behind this house. But this is a house that I really liked. It was my grandparents, my paternal grandparents' home in Valdosta, Georgia, Lowndes County, Georgia. And it was, it was a little old wooden house. Uh, you know, it, you could crawl up under it if you wanted to, which I didn't want to because I knew that there were booger bears under there, so I didn't want to go under there. But, but I could have if I would wanted to. But uh, it had, how many of you have ever went to sleep at night in a house when it was raining that had a tin roof? How, how, that is music. And, and that, and I love this house, and I love their yard, and I just spent enormous amount of times, my cousins and me, out in their yard. I can remember Grandma uh, had a clothesline. Anybody remember what a clothesline was? Huh? She had a clothesline. And these dragonflies, you ever do this as a kid? Dragonflies would land on it. You know, some people are taking swipes at them. I was catching them. You were, you were killing them? Okay, that's a whole other thing. So. But uh, they had land on this clothesline, and if you, had, you ever do this, you, you sneak out behind them, and you just grab them on the tail, and you hold them. Now, you've got to be prepared because they're always going to turn an amazing flip that you and I can't do, and they're going to bite you on the other finger. But it was just fun thinking, I can, I can catch these things. And we were always running around, and... Um, you know, just playing, having fun. And one day I'm out there. I don't even know where my cousins were. They may have went in. And I notice a baby blue jay on the ground. And it's making all kind of noise. And it seems to me, you know, based on my childhood perspective, it seems to be in great distress. So this little baby blue jay, I see it's a cute little thing. And I think, well, I need to do something about it to help it. So I'm going to go over and I'm going to pick it up. Big mistake. How many of you know what a mama blue jay will do to you if you pick up a baby blue jay? I learned my lesson. It only took me one time. I was, and I, I want to give credit to mama blue jay. She had no idea what my intentions were. But I kid you not, I leaned over, barely got my hand on that baby blue jay, and I saw a shadow flying over my head. I kid you not, before I could say my last name, that bird was on top of my head trying to get to my brain because she was pecking the daylights out of my head. I mean, I'm like, what? I'm like, and, and I... I didn't do this intentionally, but it was my reaction. I, I taught that baby bird to fly because I, all I did was I just screamed and threw it up into the air like that. And that bird is just pecking me on the head till I let that baby go. You try it sometime. <laughs> you just try. Find a baby bird, pick it up, and see what the mama does to you. When God saved you, he didn't say you're on your own. He said, I'm watching over you, and I'm not going to allow anything to touch you without me being there to defend you. See, God, by His Holy Spirit, is constantly working in you. Back to Ephesians 4, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is perpetually operating in your life. You know what He's doing? He's helping you to become more like God, and all of us need that. All of us need to become more like God. 
And you can check this out later on your own, but you may want to go to Galatians 5 and just look at the nine fruit of the Holy Spirit and just evaluate that on your own life, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love. And you just got to say, am I becoming more like God? How do you know you're becoming more like God? You're becoming a more loving person. How do you know that you're becoming more like God? You're becoming a more joyful person, a person, more peaceful person, more patient person. I couldn't help but laugh. I was in Chick-fil-A yesterday morning. Any of you surprised by that? And, and I went at a different time, and I was in this long, long line. And I was praying and asking God to help me to be patient because it is patient because it is one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But there was a guy up at the counter that he was not saying that same prayer. And, and I just got tickled because I watched him. I mean, he was not trying to hide his feelings about his weight. He was taking his hat off. He was slapping his leg. He was frustrated. He'd turn around, look at us as though we had offended him. I'm like, what, what's going on here? And he's just so mad and making comments. And finally, the young man who I know, great young man, reached out the bag, his to-go order, and he snatched it out of his hand. You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to smack him. But then I had to remind myself of the fruit of the Holy Spirit and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. See, God's working in our life to make us more like Him. Now, how is the Holy Spirit working in your life? And I'm out of time, but I want to just tell you this. How is the Holy Spirit working in your life? Gradually. Gradually. How many of you know that spiritual growth and maturity is not automatic? I wish it were. I wish it were instant. I wish that I could become spiritually mature overnight. Don't you? You talk about a long line. It would be longer than that line at Chick-fil-A. If I told you, hey, out of the information table right after this service, I'm about to pray. You walk out. You put your name on that sheet of paper. Instantly, automatically, you're going to become spiritually mature. That line would be backed up forever. But God works gradually. Somebody made this statement, and I've never forgotten it. When God wants to grow a mushroom... He takes six hours. When he wants to grow a, an oak tree, he takes 60 years. What do you want your life to be? You want to be a mushroom or you want to be an oak tree? You get to choose. Read this last verse with me. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this. As the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him. Isn't that good news? We know who we are. We know where we struggle. But the reality is God is always working in our life to help us to become more like Him. Would you stand with me for a closing prayer? Thank you so much for being here today. I hope that God has spoken to you. I believe that He has. Can we just bow right now? God, all of us, we know ourselves. We know ourselves better than anybody aside from you. We know that you're helping us. We know that all of us, God, are works in progress. We know that we can change when we accept your truth. And God, we don't want to disregard your truth. We want to get into your word. We don't want to just say, well, I'm going to get into the Bible on Sunday and never touch it again. God, help us to do that. Help us, Lord, to leave our past behind, to say, I'm not, I'm not going to be chained to my past. I'm not going to hold on to all these hurts and regrets and habits. I'm going to put on the new nature. I'm going to walk away from that old sinful nature. I'm going to walk away once and for all my old former way of life. So help us to do that. Help us to know, God, that you are changing us. Your Holy Spirit is working in our life. 
You're always at work. You're always watching over us. Even when we're like that baby blue jay just hopping around making a lot of noise, you've got your eye on us. And any time the evil one or any time danger or anything sweeps in, God, you're going to be there. You're growing us. Help us to become more loving, more joyful, more peaceful. Help us, God, to become more patient. Help us to become more faithful, more gentle. Help the fruit of the Holy Spirit to clearly be visible in all of our life. Help us not to be like this guy walking around pointing out everybody else's little bitty sins. But help us instead to help each other, to love each other, and to encourage each other. And help us above all to become more and more like you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Can we do it? All right, you got to be here. I'm just telling you, you have got to be here next week. We're talking about don't lose heart. Next week is really going to help you. I look forward to seeing you. Love you, everybody.